0: Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. Well, folks, I have to apologize for yesterday. A technical issue prevented, prevented the show from happening. We've got everything fixed at this particular point in time. So, again, it's I think it's the nomadic. Now, we're not on the road now with the Truth Tour, but we're still... Um, we... we are much more nomadic, I guess you would say. Um, We're not really permanent anywhere, so I think that uh, those things play into this, but here we are back at it. Thank you for joining us. Our email address, Todd at ToddHuffShow.com. You can also text us. That's right, text. I do check those texts. I do respond to those texts. 317-210-2830. 317-210-2830. Zero, just make it count, make it count. You know, I got an email yesterday that made it count. In fact, in fact, I shared, I shared it, um, Anthony, Anthony from Indianapolis. You outdid yourself, my friend. Um, I've not gotten until yesterday, to my knowledge. Oz, if you remember getting what we got yesterday, we've gotten one before. No, Anthony went the extra mile and actually. Uh, wrote a a, a poem, which I thought was pretty spectacular. Who knows, it might find its way on the program at some point in time. But just having some fun, and I appreciate hearing from all of you. I want to start today. I want to start today by talking about something that was announced yesterday, I don't know, late afternoon, maybe, I think it was late afternoon, maybe early evening. Um, I want to go back in time a bit because this individual has not been in the news for some time. But given where the political discourse and debate is today, ironically, we're in America now debating the ideas that were embraced by the nation uh, that this individual was leader of back during the Cold War. And I'm speaking. I'm speaking of Mikhail Gorbachev. Mikhail Gorbachev, leader of the USSR, the Soviet Union, back in the 1980s. In particular, you'll recall his meetings. Well, I know. Look, I know when I say 1980s, some we have listeners who um, can remember things much, much earlier than the 1980s, and we have listeners who the 1980s sounds like ancient history to them. So depending upon your perspective that was either forever ago or not really that long ago and I'm falling into uh kind of that camp I was actually a child of the 80s so but I remember these things I remember I mean this is you know we we saw this unfold my my generation we saw this unfold uh, before our very eyes this, Battle of worldview and ideology between the United States and the Soviet Union, between freedom and liberty, constitutional republic, free markets, and cap, or excuse me, and so socialism, communism, tyranny, the Iron Curtain, all of that being led by a lot of nefarious, uh, sometimes some very terrible people led the Soviet Union. I mean, there's some, there's a list of names that you can associate uh, with the Soviet Union's leadership that were really terrible human beings. Terrible. I mean, Joseph Stalin, Lenin, Khrushchev. In fact, Gorbachev was, well, Gorbachev, his leadership, the Cold War effectively ended the Soviet Union, um, and it officially collapsed, what, in 91? Is that? Early 90s. Gorbachev. Now, Gorbachev spoke. I attended Butler University. I remember he came and spoke at Butler in the late, uh, actually, it might have been after I left, but I I think it was after I left, maybe early 2000s. Anyway, he passed away. It was announced yesterday, December 26th. I just pulled it up for me showed me on the computer never know if she's even paying attention over here sometimes kidding 1991 yeah December 26 1999 uh, 1991 the official end of the Soviet Union but it really the writing was on the ball on on the wall speaking of the wall look up the fall of the Berlin wall um, that's really when that's really when um, November 9th 1989 that's really when everything began. To unravel, and I don't want to go through an enormous history lesson here. I just find it interesting. I find it interesting that we are, in many ways, in this country. Now, I want to be careful because there there are technical terms, technical definitions for words. There are under, common understandings and sometimes misunderstandings um, of words words like socialism and communism and they those things have come to mean i it's very i it's very emotionalized today right i mean um and and so sometimes it's hard to cut through some of that that clutter but these this was the the battle this was the this is what it was about in the 1980s it was freedom and liberty and free markets versus tyranny. And I'm just really quickly and I, we've we've talked about these things before. But I think I think one of the mistakes that we have made collectively as a country. And when I say that I mean you might be you might have been shouting this stuff from the mountaintops for the past 40 or 50 years. So but collectively it's not been done consistently. We we haven't we haven't shared or communicated effectively the dangers, the true dangers of these big government ideologies that, I mean, ran ran a big chunk of the globe back in the night, well, back during the Cold War. So I don't want to go through all of this with a fine-tooth comb. I just like to set the stage because World War II was this moment in time when... Of course we were fighting Hitler and the fascists and of course if you listen to the left today they're going to tell you that Trump supporters and Trump and other folks who say make America great again are the modern day fascists which of course is absolutely crazy but that's that's what that's how they paint that that argument but fascists look I know that it's popular to say fascism is on the right wing of the political spectrum. I don't. That is not at all how I view this. I view. I don't. I look at limited government. In fact, maybe at one end of the spectrum, a spectrum, you could even put anarchy, and then limited government, and then, you know, you move to the left, and you might get to socialism and communism, and on the far end, or or big, big all power all powerful governments authoritarian type governments i'd put fascism i put it down there i know that that's not what the political science professors do uh, because they again i think they focus on the wrong the wrong parts of these things there's there's lovers of big government where and, and then there's lovers of of liberty lovers of freedom and so i am a lover of freedom now the anarchists would say they love ultimate freedom but there is a necessity for for government limited government constitutional government our founders hit the nail squarely on on the head if men were angels no government would be necessary right i mean this is what we were taught well who knows what they're taught today but back when i went to school we were taught these sorts of things and so and so that's the spectrum and it was it was literally it, it Because of that chasm, because of lovers of liberty on one end and totalitarian lovers of big government status on the other, they literally built walls to divide people, to keep people in countries, to keep people inside of countries. Not to say, say with our southern border wall, whatever state it's actually in under the Biden administration, which is effectively... Wide open, but not to keep people out of a country, and to, you know, declare that our border is sovereign and we are going to have a say as to who comes into that, that country. It doesn't. That's not what the the wall that was built the, uh, the Berlin Wall in the wake of World War II. That was built to keep people in to force people to stay in an oppressive type of government that was led by the likes and again Gorbachev in fairness to him Gorbachev was his decisions <laughs> he he was the most reasonable of all those jokers and ultimately the United States won the cold war in well, it's a very sophisticated, complicated, layered thing, but the way that Reagan, Reagan had a big big impact on it. Um, but ultimately, if you ask me, there were reasons that the, that the Soviet Union fell, and it ultimately was because it was built upon a broken ideology. It was built upon a system that cannot survive. It cannot survive. My friends, it, there are two words, and I'm not going to go into them in depth today, but these became popular when I was in, well, when I was in school, um, we talked about these things, and it's something Gorbachev helped usher into the Soviet Union, which two words, glasnost and perestroika. And those two things had to do with with limiting, I guess you could say, the power of the state loosening the control over business that the communist government had, making people a little bit freer, not completely, but they could start cooperatives and that start sort of thing. And, and they, they really tried to westernize. They really tried to give people a taste of maybe liberty, just a tiny taste. It wasn't, it wasn't like gulping from a two-liter jug or anything, but it was a little taste. And between that, between Reagan's SDI, Strategic Defense Initiative, which is commonly referred to as Star Wars, and the military spending, the Soviet Union felt like it had to keep up with the spending of and defense spending by the United States. And of course, while we certainly went into deficit spending during that period, we were able to deal with those Expenses with a more productive economy because we were free than the Soviet Union was, and so there's a myriad of factors. But you know, you had people who were forced to live inside of a country. They, in the case of of Berlin, which again after World War II, um, as they were, you know, making you know final arrangements in post war in the post war negotiations, since the United States. It was the United States, Britain, and the Soviet Union who effectively, right, the allied powers back then, even though Stalin and the Soviets were the communists, that was our ally because Hitler, for whatever reasons Hitler had, he decided to open another front. He attacked the Soviet Union at one point. He and Stalin actually didn't have necessarily a bad relationship at one point. In fact, I think that they were consider. I don't want to get into the World War II history, but in the wake of that in the wake of that it was decided that basically western europe would be kind of under i don't under the influence or that would kind of have you know i guess be led by or kind of helped in that rebuilding era by the united states eastern europe eastern europe was uh, kind of led and influenced by the Soviet Union. And what did they do as a result? They built a wall splitting Berlin in Germany in half because that's right where the dividing line ran through. They built a wall, and they said East Berlin is communist. You can't leave East Berlin to go to West Berlin. And that sucker was there until whatever it was, Oz just showed me the date, back in 1989. And... You cannot, the heart longs, my friends, for liberty. It was created. Your heart, my heart, every heart that's on this planet was created to live with freedom. We have dreams and ambitions and hopes and aspirations, whatever, just the way we want to live our lives. And communism thwarts that. Communism is a... Boot of oppression on the necks of people who seek to live with freedom or under freedom freely, and this was the ideological battle, and it went all the way through, folks. Is why wars were fought. I mean, you can trace the uh, the battle to fight communism through Korea. You can trace it to Vietnam, right? Containment strategy. We knew, we understood, and again, these were, I know in hindsight, there's all sorts of opinions about not starting this war, not doing that, but the whatever your opinions, I don't want to get into that even. What I'm saying is Soviet communism or communism in general, it has to expand. It has to. It has to effectively invade other countries. It's what it did in Eastern Europe. It's what it did in parts of Asia. It has to spread and why does it have to spread? Because it by definition, it by definition reduces because of the of the burden, the authoritarianism, the totalitarianism, the heaviness, the the way that it totally oppresses and takes over and, and basically snuffs out that flame of hope that's inside of human beings. It takes away. It takes away something from a person. It takes away a lot of somethings from a person. And as a result, people are less productive. They're more entitled by this utopian government that promises peace on earth. But there's less and less produced every year because people are less productive. They have their hands out more. Their dreams have been squashed because, again, of the heavy-handedness of these governments. And so the only way to survive is to expand and to bring in new people that aren't beaten down just as much quite yet, and then you pull them into the system. Folks, it's why we were in Afghanistan. It's why we helped at one time. We helped Osama bin Laden fight the Soviets. It's why we did all those things. Doing a quick, quick cursory review of some history as it pertains to communism. But this whole thing, this, this whole Cold War which, again, it was called the Cold War because we didn't actually go to, we didn't have a Vietnam War or Vietnam conflict with the Soviet Union. We didn't have a Korean War with the Soviet Union, but we had nuclear <laughs> nuclear drills at school. We had, you know, tensions like you wouldn't believe. There were the Cuban Missile Crisis and all sorts of times when, when we were literally feeling like we were, Moments away from World War III, nuclear missiles being launched everywhere. And the two leaders, Gorbachev, who again just passed away yesterday, Ronald Reagan here, President of the United States, had some meetings, made some decisions, had some... I mean, there's all sorts of, you know, weapons withdrawals here and all that kind of stuff, but ultimately... Ultimately, the United States strategically made decisions that put too much pressure on an empire, the Soviet Union, that was built upon faulty ideas and a broken worldview and ideology, and it came crumbling down. And I remember, I'm going to take a break, I'm really long in this segment, but I remember, even as a kid, I remember seeing pictures, the Berlin Wall, soldiers just walking away from their posts, and then suddenly, people who had wanted to flee that wretched place because of the oppression, not because of anything else, because of the oppression, because of the worldview, because of the ideology that ran that part of the world, they began crossing the wall, they began shattering the wall with pickaxes and sledgehammers and everything else. You can see videos of this. People have pieces of this wall. We've forgotten that. And now today, in our country, we literally have people who are, clamoring for ideas and policies that would have been accepted by the likes of Mikhail Gorbachev, or even worse, by the people who preceded him. This has now come. The Soviet Union, my friends, if the, the things that they sought to do to tear this country down from the inside, they could actually today, for those KGB former you know folks that are watching this, they... They, could, they can see that what they were seeking to do internally in this country is actually coming to fruition. Where some of the people that we've even elected to represent us in our Congress are anti-American who actually agree more with the ideology and the government of Soviet communism than with the constitution of this great nation. I've got plenty more to say about this. Really, really long. Next segment's going to be short. Please forgive me. Sit tight, my friends. Listen to a conservative, not better talk. I am your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. Welcome back, my friends. This segment is going to be very short because I was long-winded last segment. By the way, if you ever miss a part of this program, and once you get over the initial shame of disappointing your host, I'm kidding, you can always go and listen to the podcast in its entirety, The Todd Huff Show. You can download those for free um, anywhere that you would listen to podcasts. So, I just, we're talking about, again, Gorbachev passed away. It was announced yesterday. And I just, I find it, I find it interesting. Well, I find it terrifying in one way. I find it interesting in another that what unified this country back during the Cold War is now dividing us domestically in 2022. Now, I'm not saying, again, you know, I, I'm not... Folks, words mean things. Sometimes, uh, you know, hyperbole and exaggeration are necessary to make a point. So I there's a time and a place for that. But I do not mischaracterize our political opponents. Uh, I'm a conservative. I believe in... The Constitution, limited government, I believe in free markets. I don't want to go through all of it, but it's really the antithesis of what the Democrat Party stands for today. So there's there's the radical left, which hates America as founded. They hate freedom. They love the sorts of things that the Soviet Union embraced. I mean, I, I had these folks as professors. I went, again, there's not many. This is a, a fraction of, of the Democrat Party today, but they're radical. They hate America. In fact, I'm looking at a post here from AOC. Where'd she post this? The gram? Instagram? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I just... I don't, I don't understand. I, she's got a bunch of things to say, which I might... I'm, I'm going to try to get to. I can't this segment because I was long last segment. But it's now... We're having these, these fights here. Now it takes a different shape and form because I don't think people realize you do... And if you don't, if you're new, folks, governments killed more than 100 million people of their own people, of their own people in the 20th century, 1900s, right? Governments, and and most of these governments, the lion's share were classified as communist. Stalin killed millions of people. Mao Zedong Communist China killed millions of people. Fidel Castro killed lots and lots of people. Right? These are these are communist revolutionaries. These are people who told us they were going to usher in utopia. And look at the hell they created. Look at the hell they created. Now, in college, I, had a, I actually had a class. I've shared this on here before. It was called, it was one of my last classes, uh, is that true? I think it was my last semester in school. I'm almost positive. And it was called Is Communism Excuse me, is Capitalism Really Better. And it was a small class, a 300 level class, there were 8 people. There were four guys and four girls. And we talked about that the professor had lived in the Soviet Union, of course, telling us that wasn't as bad as as we had been told and really all the things that they didn't have and you know, just uh, the depressed state of that nation was, I guess, blown out of proportion or whatever. Um, But we talked about freedom and liberty and the Constitution and the way we were, you know, human nature. We, We discussed these things. And at the end of the semester, we had a vote. And my friends, four of us, us, voted for capitalism and four of the others voted for communism. And I think how in the world can someone study this and someone look at the facts of this? There is no... The only reason, the only reason that people really fall for the line or for the ideology of of communism is, number one, is if they're in the, the leadership role because that's that's a great place to be. You know, it's, it's like being in the deep state here. You can do whatever you want. You... You don't have to be subjected to the rules you create for everyone else. You're never waiting in the bread line. You're never at, you know, at want. You can have whatever you want, whatever you need. It's like Crazy Rocket Man over in North Korea. If you ever look at a map of North Korea at night, the whole peninsula, the northern half of that peninsula, is completely dark except for Pyongyang, which is the city where his little palaces for this guy who thinks he's some sort of a God, which whatever. I mean, give me a The guy can't, the guy barely can walk as good as Biden. But so we've got that. The only place with lights basically is the place where the dictator, the, the, the benevolent leader is. And that's what happens. So those are the people that like it. And the people who believe that what you say is more important than, Than what you do. And some people are so hypnotized by this stuff. It's the same reason. Boy. I'm not going to say what I wanted to say. Just because I think it will be misunderstood. Especially as I'm about to take a break. Because I'd have to rush it. But some people are so hypnotized. And almost put into a trance by words. And it doesn't matter what the actions are. The actions can be antithetical, the complete opposite of the words, and it doesn't it doesn't compute because people say, well, they said they wanted good things, bad things are happening, then it can't be their fault. It's like it's like the inflation reduction act here, and then we say, well, we said we were trying to, you know, reduce inflation. So Biden doesn't want inflation, but you think, but everything he's doing uh, uh, forgiving, forgiving, like it's his job to do, forgiving student loan debts, is going to contribute to inflation. And either taxes are going to go up or inflation is going to go up. There is no other mathematical place that this money can come from, unless colleges, I've seen some people say colleges should foot the bill, which that's not going to happen because it's run by a bunch of leftists and they're going to want that money to run and to, uh, to donate to Democrat campaigns here in the fall. Anyway, I think the takeaway here with the death of Gorbachev is that what is what was not even debatable in this country during the Cold War, our Western civilization, freedom, democracy, constitutional republic, liberty, all those things, vastly superior to what the communists promised. It's now dividing this country, and people... People are embracing the ideas that we once almost stood opposed to unanimously in this country. Now we're beginning, well, we're past the point of beginning. Many folks have fully embraced this stuff, and it's dangerous. It really is. Anyway, timeouts in order, my friends. Sit tight. Back in just a minute. Welcome back my friends. I alluded to this post. There's actually a couple by AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I forget I forget which way honestly, that she uh she says that it's the correct way. Um but so so she's got a post here on How does canceling student debt help us How does canceling student debt help us who paid their loans? Man, I tell you what. This, again, this, keep in mind, this is the person that one of the people who helped campaign for Obama says is the best chance to defeat Trump in 2024. So this is what she said. I wish, just imagine me saying this in my best AOC accent possible. Or not accent, just the way that she talks. Like, you know, guys. I've said it before and I'll say it again. This is AOC. This is not me. Just be you're going to know it's not me if you listen to this show for 5 seconds. This is not this is absurd, but just I'm reading what she writes. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Not every program has to be for everybody. People with apartments pay for first-time homeowner benefits. Young people pay for Medicare for our seniors. People who take public transit pay for car infrastructure. Maybe student loan forgiveness doesn't impact you. That doesn't make it bad. I am sure, again, AOC, not Todd Huff. I am sure there are certainly other things that student loan borrowers' taxes pay for. I hope so. I mean, you can't even list them. It's so many. The, the government's so massive, we can't even, if we put a list together, they, she'd still be writing this, this stupid post. She continues, we can do good things and reject the scarcity mindset that says doing something good, and I try to, you're going to have to, you're going to say huh when I finish this sentence, but again, AOC, not Todd Huff. We can do good things and reject the scarcity mindset that says doing something good for someone else comes at the cost of something for ourselves. An example, she's given us an example in this post. If a person is blessed enough to be in a position to have paid off their loans, maybe they have a home now and benefited from first-time homeowners program that people crushed by student loans help subsidize when they aren't able to buy a home because of student debt. It all comes around. It's okay. We can support things we we won't directly benefit from. I told Oz, it's like saying, "I gave you fifty cents for a Coke. Now you give me seventy-five cents for a bag of Cheetos." And I realized that those prices date me, quite uh, as being quite old. But I mean, what's the po- what's the point? Is this is one big shell game? I mean, she's actually making the point that everyone paying for something for someone else is dumb because now every just think about. Think about the unnecessary cost. You have to pay for the people who manage this, who then give themselves more pay than they would get with a comparable job in the private sector. We know this. We know that government workers make more in government jobs than they would make in a private, in a, comp- uh, a comparable private sector job. So we have to tax the economy. So you... So let's say, just for simple, let's just for very simple math, say it cost $100, someone's taxed $100, well it might cost $40 of that $100 for salary, benefits, payroll, then there's of course we got to have a place to rent, to to place these people, so let's put rent in there, utilities, we got to give them a place to go to wash their hands so they don't spread covid-19 and probably have some masks that we have to buy probably forced vaccinations remember these people all get together and then they decide the bureaucrats they say you know what what other things can we make the american people do that is a burden that adds cost to the production the you know the supply chain these are the folks who are responsible for inflation. These are the folks who are responsible for regulation and rules and taxes that make a gallon of gas an outrageous amount, especially in the state of Indiana, which there was a refinery problem in northern Indiana. I think Whiting, northern, northern Indiana, that's caused prices to, I think, maybe trickle back up. But the point is, She's saying we just—it's a big shell game—and then in the process, we're funding an additional eighty-seven thousand IRS agents to make sure that everyone's playing this shell game perfectly the right way, because no one knows what's going on. And by the way, this doesn't even take into account that effectively half of Americans don't pay any federal income taxes. So she's flat out wrong in a lot of ways. Now, there's there's certainly some taxes that come out of uh, out of your paycheck. The government could tax you for breathing, they would. They, them and Disney. But I think, I think that this post illustrates just how silly this whole thing is. How about we let people keep what rightfully, and I say let them, it's not even the right way to say it. How about we don't violate the freedom that they should have to keep the fruits of their labor? because AOC wants her loan debts paid off. I didn't make AOC go to college. In fact, I probably would have advised her not to do it. But the point is, the point is that this, she just admits that the shell game, which again, the more promises the government makes, the more utopia that's that's you know promised by the government, the more like the Soviet Union, the more like these socialist places around the world, America becomes. And the only thing that we see Throughout history, the common end of these governments is equality and misery. In extreme cases, I mean, brutal treatment of their people, killing people in these ultra-leftist, communist, utopian hellholes. But AOC, the battle is here, my friends. The battle is here. They're justifying every penny. They're guilt-tripping you. If you want to donate, there's a line on TAC. You can donate it. Go for it, AOC. Donate. She's she complains at the same time, doesn't she? Complain about what she makes? I think I I think I read stupid things about that. Anyway, I gotta take a break. Long in this segment, really got off the time. Uh, the, the 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 schedule here today. So sit tight. Come back and wrap up in just a minute. Yes, I know Biden's gonna speak. What tomorrow? I mean, we know what he's gonna say. He's already out there complaining about bad mouthing badgering people who are in favor of the second amendment, but that's my lucky that's whatever Biden being Biden. We know what we're, what we're getting here. Um, and we'll talk about what he says. We'll talk about it Friday after he says it tomorrow, but I want to, <laughs> before the break, I, I, um, I looked up cause I remembered after saying these things, AOC, Remember, AOC says, hey guys, we should all just chip in. Chip in, and help each other. If you want to, you know, maybe on Mondays is my turn to buy lunch, and then on Tuesdays, you can buy me something at the coffee shop, maybe a bagel, and then Wednesdays, you know, I can pay for the Uber or whatever. Who knows? That's just AOC's way of looking at things. If we just like throw of our money in a big pile and then the bureaucrats decide who gets to pay for what. But she was complaining. She was complaining this summer about her salary and how expensive it was. She wants more money for herself. So she wants you to pay for her student loans and she wants you to pay her a little bit more so she can have a stipend to get housing in both Washington, D.C. and in New York City. And folks, she makes $174,000 a year, not enough. You notice this is how this goes every time, 100% of the time. They want what they want, and they think it's your job to pay for it. I don't see it that way at all. I think what's yours belongs to you. Yes, there should be some degree of reasonable taxes, but, my friends, we have eclipsed that long, long, long ago, decades ago, in fact. Sit tight, my friends, back in just a minute. Friends, that's about all the time that we have today. But again, this battle, this ideological battle, this battle of worldviews that was once fought, literally fought, during the Cold War, we were on the side of freedom, we the United States of America. Now, now we're having a domestic battle, a domestic battle over worldview and ideology where one side is at least dangerously close to believing or arguing for positioning themselves around the ideas that were once embraced by the Soviet Union that were rejected soundly in this country. So, my friends, I've got to go. Music's telling me it's time to wrap up. Have a great day. SDGC tomorrow. Take care.